growing and developing a brand was a smart strategy. So then now you can leverage that. And like people don't often like leveraging a brand, but if you can leverage a brand in a, a way that is, how would you say, beneficial to both parties, then not only do you feel good about that, but then at the same time, both sides can be successful. So the personal training markups are massive, James Hill Academy. You look at the majority of people that study, say, under Phil Graham, they're aiming for a 55% profit margin, which is like ridiculous. So you look at these prices, and I mean, it's great. It's people that are doing them. They're running really profitable businesses. But when you look at that margin, you're like, okay, is this subservient to the demographic of people that maybe can't afford PT? So then with the, with the online training, if anyone ever said anything to me, I was like, mate, it's 99 pounds for three months. You get personalized coaches. If you think that's too much, fuck off. Then with the book, someone's like, ah, oh, 12.99 is a lot. I'm like, I spent a year writing it, you bastard. It's too much, fuck off. With the drink, people are like, ah, oh, two pound a can is quite a lot. I'm like, it's got four nootropics, caffeine, it tastes nice, it's cheaper than a cup of coffee from Costa. If you don't like it, fuck off. So like, it's not as if I'm bumming anyone here, you know? Mm-hmm. The events is probably the side of things that sometimes I'll get ready to do a talk and I go, fucking hell, I wouldn't pay 30 quid to be here tonight. So that's the only one that I kind of feel like a, a fraud with. But I think as long as you could leverage a brand and you can see your brand as an interest savings account that benefits you long-term, then yeah, it's, it's a smart way. But we said before, just before we started recording, like it's not free to sell to a following because you can either pay to advertise something, pay to play, or you can do the organic work, content, videos not going well, videos going well. Like it took me a year of posting every day to get 800 followers. So like when you look at it that way, in some respects, it's not always the, the easiest strategy, although it can look that way when people arrive. They go, oh, it's all right for you. Interesting. So a theme there seems to be giving back, making sure people are getting a ton of value. Even with the live tours, you have a number of successful adventures going on. They're not something you have to do. I'm sure you, you, you enjoyed them a lot, of course, but if you were in your normal, normal routine in Australia, you're growing the businesses, you're growing your YouTube, you're training jujitsu in your normal gym, with doing the live tours, is it something of you like meeting your followers? It's, is that something that you kind of draw a lot of fulfillment from, getting to meet, meet and greet people? Yeah, it's great to meet people. You've got to be active as well. So you've got to show not just your fan base, but your competitors. You've got to show the market that you're active. You can't just be sitting having your great life in Australia because people get bored. I get bored. So like, um, also going on tours is a good opportunity to just be interesting again. So like, story views will start going down when it's just the same dog, same gym, same jiu-jitsu, same fucking thing over and over again. So every once in a while, you need to have your, your chaos and then your peace. So you have to move from one to the other because otherwise you get too comfortable in your ways. Um, so there's definitely that. The touring model's great as well. So when we started that, we'd do like 40 or 50 people in a room. But then my manager, whose idea it was, a guy that's into events called Luke, he was like, next year, they'll bring two friends and then you'll be at 120. Then they'll bring two friends and you'll be at 300. And then the next year, they'll be at nearly 1,000. So he kind of saw the compounding interest of it. The first tour we did, we lost tens of thousands of pounds. But then the next tour you went on, you only lost five grand. Then the next tour you went on, you made four and you're like, fucking hell, we're rich. So like having that, uh, idea of it and also no one's fucking stupid enough to go lose 40 grand on a tour but we were we were like we're crazy enough to do it like you look at any successful festival whether it's I don't know uh, even if you look at the UK like SW4 there would have been years that people were investing money and paying for that festival and it would have lost money people that went to it didn't know people that went to it didn't give a fuck but then it's only when you get to that fourth year of the festival that suddenly you break even then suddenly down the line, people are, oh my God, I can't believe you made a million pound on a festival. You're like, mate, you don't know half of the shit that went on before it. 
but yeah, the touring model is good. And also, it's a way to establish yourself and differentiate yourself from your competitors. So even when I only had like 70,000 followers, I remember we got billed for an event and someone else who had like 500,000 followers was getting headline billing. And my manager was like, oh, James is going to get headline billing for the event. So it means you get paid more and you go on the front of the poster. And they pushed back. And my manager was like, oh, where's their UK tour? And they were like, oh, they haven't done one. He was like, all right, shut the fuck up. James Headline Billing, he's just come off a tour. And like, that's how they do it in the music industry. So like, it's kind of, uh, yeah, some of it from like a business perspective, a brand perspective, but then also, yeah, you have this massive overarching feature that you do need to go into territories and meet people. Even this podcast today wouldn't happen unless we came to Dubai and you didn't put your hand up, <laughs> press me into it and give me a thousand dollars. You know what I mean? So like, they're, it's like a massive butterfly effect as well. You might meet one person at one venue who says this, uh, you might make one connection on a night out. Like, I'm pretty sure that even a guy we went on the smash with in Dublin is going to be running our events next time we go into Ireland. So, like, it's, it's one of those things where you, you're never going to do too well sitting on your hands at home. Interesting. I would say, like you were saying, meeting different people, that kind of opens, it kind of gives you exposure to almost inflection points. Like, if I were to look back at the last five years personally, every inflection point I've had was from meeting a specific person at a specific time, Kieran, who's sitting somewhere there, would be one of those people. Would you say that's kind of similar for you? It's almost doing the events increases your exposure to potential like non-linear effects as well. With, with yeah, yeah, I mean, it's also like um, like synergistic. Said you, I was going to be doing a video of Mike Thurston after. Like our worlds kind of collided this time last year in Dubai. I actually bumped into him in the gym. I was in the training. I was in the change rooms. I saw this fucking set of posterior doubts so I was that's Mike Thurston and I got chatting to him realised he's a really nice guy bumped into him in the elevator a few times like and then today I was like hey do you want to do some content he's like yeah sweet so yeah it can be those literally just physically going into the same rooms and you know having that kind of just figuring each other out because otherwise it would have been quite a cold one we hadn't actually talked until last year you got to try your can by the way yeah I got a this is the new flavour the uh, Tropical, tropical ice. ice. I've tried the orange one, which and, was. And don't feel pressured. If you don't like it, just be a man. Just say it with chest. Right? Give it a cheers. I'm hoping it's like a pina colada. That is nice now, to be fair. A lot of pineapple on that. A bit of mango. Do you know what's interesting, right? Have another sip and think of White Monster. Because no one has actually thought about what White Monster tastes like. That does taste like White Monster. Maybe a bit more mangoey. Yeah, so people don't realize that White Monster is a tropical flavor. They just call it White Monster. You ever noticed that? Yeah, it's just some flavor like ultra something. You're like, don't, what's, I don't know what's in this, just mystery chemicals. So we're calling this the White Monster Killer. The White Monster Killer. Could definitely, could definitely do so, but that is, that is banging. And as well... But for the record, White Monster does have more caffeine. So if you're looking to prime yourself for a workout, the White Monster could potentially be better. This has theanine though, which won't make you jittery. As well, yeah, so. but sometimes when you train, you want them jitters. Yeah. You want to put on a Linkin Park playlist and punch your fucking front door in. Yeah, you want to be wondering, are we going cream fields here or is this, yeah. is this the gym? I mean, yeah. So, that's, so, yeah. So, like, and I'm open about that. People are like, oh, is this great for a pre workout? I'm like, well, technically, you could have a can of C4 and have some beta alanine and scratch your face off and have a better performance. But, like, that's not the market we're going for. It's more like, the podcast sitting down. The theanine would be quite nice for this environment. You know, you're about to do an edit. Last night, we jumped into like a fucking three and a half hour edit without moving. Ordered food here, didn't move. And for that, you might want something to give you a little pick-me-up. Uh, but you're not really going to have an energy drink at 6 p.m. But it performed well, didn't it, ET? We lost 18 subscribers so far. People don't want to see us have fun. And they don't like Dubai. 
interesting. One step forward or one step backwards, a few steps forward, hopefully with that. No, because do you know what? And the funny thing is my last video before we left was a clip of me saying your content isn't about you. It's about the problems your audience facing. But I'm not going to sit in fucking Dubai and talk about a calorie deficit. You know what I mean? I've just come from Cheesecake Factory last night. So I'm like, let's have a fun vlog. Let's go around. Let's be interesting. People hate to see how fun. Because it reminds them like, oh, it's all right for you. We did a video yesterday, $1 meal versus $1,000 meal. Like, I had to go eat a $1 meal and I can still taste the onion, right? And fucking people, all they think about is, oh, you know, you're in Dubai, oh, you're, you're, all this you're like, oh, just, just fuck off. But I was like, you know what? We're going to train the audience. We're going to force them to like it. We're going to make sure that they can enjoy the content. It can be done. It can be done. I mean, go, going on to Newtonic, so because you had that viral video about prime energy that you, or prime hydration that you'd done. Was some of the inspiration in terms of where you wanted to take Newtonic based off, like the video, I think it has nearly 3 million views the last time I looked at it. And you dove into the ingredients in Prime, how it's actually not very good for, for hydration, but with, with building your own beverage company, was some of the inspiration, okay, here's what not to do and here's where I, I want to take it. Now it's the third time I did that video. So the same video exists with different title and thumbnails where basically that video originated as are electrolytes worth the hype? But then I was thinking, okay, how can I present who the fuck is going to want to listen to electrolytes? You know, who's going to see that title and go, are oh, they worth the hype? Fucking no one. So I was like, okay, let's look at the hydration landscape. Powerade, Gatorade. Then I was like, fuck, Prime's in the hydration, you know, landscape. And I was like, but it's shit. And then I was like, there's my video. So like, it's not like the concept was new, just no one fucking cared about the other one. But even then, the way we packaged the video is what differentiated it. Like, we don't even talk about Prime. We say Logan Paul's the most profitable scam ever. This is coming off riding the wave of the crypto zoo scam where Logan Paul allegedly conned a lot of people. All alleged. Allegedly. So then we got all of this stuff like coming from there. So we got this uh, slight, Logan Paul up until about a year ago was just storming, you know, as far as uh, his reputation in the industry. But then it's kind of tanked a bit. Don't get me wrong, the guy's amazing in WWE, but he's taken his character into, you know, like other waters. The Dylan Dennis fight didn't come off well. So we see this tarnishing reputation. I just saw an opportunity to go for it. I was like, I can, and actually the video is not so much about Prime, it's about electrolyte solutions. But we leveraged pop culture to get that. And the word scam, you know, the best titles you could put in YouTube, scam, broken, hack, these are things that really get people's like attention. So uh, we were even filming it and I was like, I came up with the title and I shouted it at Etienne. I was like, don't let me forget that. Um, but yeah, basically the crux of the video is just about electrolytes. So I've always been big into supplements, you know, always watch Derek from More Plates, More Dates videos, like all of this stuff. So there definitely was, a one, people think it was advantageous, but two, I was like, no, I've opened myself up to scrutiny because uh, if we get this formulation wrong, people are going to fucking come for us the same way. Because if people can see that me criticizing a, a formula can get you such viral growth, they're going to do the exact same back. So always open yourself up. It's like in boxing, when you throw a punch, it's the easiest time for someone to land a punch on you. So there was that. So we did, we were meticulous with a lot of the ingredients. Uh, I actually, before telling anyone about the drink, sent the ingredients to Ben Carpenter. And I said, I'm doing a hit piece on Cognizant. Can you do your research? And he came back. He was like, oh, it's, it's actually all right. He's like, you're going to struggle to find an angle here. I was like, thank God I'm putting it in a drink. So like, um, yeah, it's, I've always been big in that education space, but even better yet, right? Let's say new evidence emerges or whatever. And someone says, oh, James, uh, Panax ginseng has just been shown in a meta-analysis to not benefit cognition in any way. I would actually probably just do a post and go, hey guys, we've realized this compound doesn't do anything. We've got 300,000 cans left of stock. We're going to run them out. Then we're going to change the formulation, which I don't understand why Prime didn't just do that. So 
their biggest critiques were the sodium potassium levels were out, that they use coconut water, and the BCAAs are probably just a waste of money. But they should have just said, hey, we still want to be the number one hydration beverage. We still want to support the UFC. We still want to support these sports teams. We're going to remake our formula whilst maintaining the taste. They could have come out as heroes. The Prime Energy, they got scrutinized for 200 milligrams uh, of caffeine in a can, which shouldn't have really been an issue. And then they actually brought out 110 and 120 milligram cans in territories where they can't have that density of caffeine in it. So like they faced some unfair scrutiny on the side that was fine and they got, um, you know, ripped apart on the other side of things. The Logan Paul called Derek a virgin and he did a fucking nearly three hour teardown of the drink. Like, don't call people that are smarter than you virgins. That's the rule that we can learn from that. Especially when they have a proper cult following. Like even if I were to see a video from Derek, I don't even watch him too often, but always he's like an automatic authority. If someone says that, like he's, you definitely don't do to someone really influential. I thought, interesting. So as, as well there, you're, you're going into it, like you've never really had a problem with, I suppose, being very direct with, with how you communicate. Like even now, I mean, as you've grown, because you sort of start to get a lot more people who maybe weren't from your original, let's say, cult following, maybe goes from cult to more mainstream following. Have you ever been kind of tempted to almost tone that down? Or have people been in your ear telling you to tone that down and to stop being as, as you, kind of, in, in a way? So I worked in recruitment for a long time, and it was shit. And I had to lie to people to fit in. So, like, I remember people would be like, oh, James, how was your weekend? And I'd say, yeah, just went for dinner with friends. But the reality was that... I was thrown up into a bin bag in the back of a rugby bus naked doing the Spider-Man, which is where you open all the drawers and you got to make it from one end of the rugby bus to the other naked, right? So you got your balls and dick just dangling in front of all the team. You got Colts playing their first game of adult rugby. Um, you got someone doing a bird bath at the back of the bus. It's just weird, right? You know, it's not gay, it's rugby. And, um, rugby banter is different level. Yeah, like you got people doing no-handed manginas thrown up on a bus like but I'd have to come up to work and pretend that wasn't me but yeah you know we just went to Wagamama's for dinner I worked in like a posh recruitment firm then I tried taking that professional professionalism into PT and I attracted fucking ball bags people that they drive a Porsche they pay you on time but they were fucking boring so then I was like oh this just isn't me and then like um you know I would start relaxing a bit and just being myself on the gym floor like I'd see like a bodybuilder and just you know even with my client I'd be like or maybe we have the heavyweights down there if you want them. Or, you know, just banter someone like squatting real heavy weight. I'd be like, you finish warming up, mate. We need the rack. You know, like just whatever it was. My clients would find it funny. Um, I would even just start rumors about other PTs. I was like, oh, he got caught wanking with a belt around his neck the other day. You know, like whatever it was. That'd be Chris Williamson. And, um, wait, we'll give him a bit of shit. Oh. God, guys. <laughs> Podcasting is my life, all right? <laughs> Just really appreciate. Here we go. Welcome to Modern Wisdom. Here we go. Gay, gay crashing it. He's taking over. We're going to let a professional take my seat now in a second here. There's a crate of white tropical in the fridge for you, mon ami. Mate, it's a banging bang flavor, to be fair, tropical ice. But. You look forward to tw the 21 hours of flying tonight. Other side. Uh, those those forearms, mate. You just spot the four <laughs> spot the forearms before anything else. So then, um, yeah, the I was on the gym floor. When I started being myself, I started being myself a bit more in the content. One, the content would get like better content uh, or like better comments and uh, better better feedback. Let's just say. And then I remember there was this lady, there was this lady that sat in front of me, and she like she sat down and she was like, "You swear a lot. I think we're gonna get on." 
And she was like, I'm fucking fucked I eat way too much and I don't fucking exercise. And I was like, perfect. And she was like, you swear more than anyone else. I think we're going to get on. So I was like, cool. And then when I sat with her during the consult, seen a bit, Chris. I said, I need a food log. And I could just, I could just feel the energy. And I was like, if I sense you're lying, if, you're, if I sense that you're lying to me, I'm going to fire you. First session, I was like, cool. She came in, she gave me an honest food log. And I was like, fucking hell. And like, we actually implemented a strategy where she was a dog trainer and she didn't eat from midday to 6 p.m. and then she'd binge. So she'd have a sandwich at lunch. I made her make two sandwiches. I said, it's not going to cost more. It's not going to take more time. You have a second sandwich at 3 p.m. And her binges like massively decreased. And she, we got her losing weight, eating more sandwiches, which was wild. But when we'd get in, like if I got to do a hard exercise, she'd go, oh, you're such a cunt. And I'd be like, this, this feels good. Like we get on. And even just other things, like I was doing a consult and reception this guy's there with his wife and I was like, need you to probably eat a high protein diet, maybe one, one and a half grams of protein. And he started being like, ah, oh. he kind of pushed back on my advice. I was like, right, cool once. And then his wife said something. Then he said something. Every time I tried to give him advice as to what I would do if I was working with him, he pushed back and he was quite an overweight chap. And I just got to the point where I just said, you fucking tried it your way. Right in front of him and his wife, his wife. <gasps> and I was like, so how about we try it my way? And he never came back, never came back after the consult, but I felt fucking liberated. And literally the receptionist was just like looking over, like, what the fuck did you just say that to someone? And I was like, this is, this is empowering, this is great. And then also you never get found out. You know, I've joked about snorting coke, doing MD, getting in K-holes, whatever it is. So then when you are in a K-hole at a festival, people aren't like, oh my God. They're like, oh, it's just James. It's yeah. just being legit. And everyone does it. Everyone does if it. If they're being honest with themselves. Yeah, and, yeah. and no one is that polite no one you know people seem to think that their followings are really fucking stupid right they seem to think they can't see through shit but when people are too proper you know it's a facade right so that and i've always said like i think people are really quick to spot you when you're just being normal and i think that's why i potentially resonate with a lot of people but it comes with a price so if i grow by five thousand followers on instagram i lose two and a half thousand so on average i've lost the same amount of followers that I've gained. So even though I'm at 1.2 now, I've lost over 750, 800,000 followers easily. Wow. Because some people come for the information, they just can't handle it. Or some people come for it and they just don't like it. Some people, so, you know, if I was like, hey guys, today we're going to be cooking avocado in the kitchen, you know, you probably keep more of these people, but you're much better off having a red hot audience. And like, even when we travel, I feel people come up to me and talk to me like I'm their friend. They're like, James, what's going on, man? How was last night? Get with any birds? Oy, oy. You know, like, and that's the way I'd rather have it than people going, hello, I listen to your podcast and I think it's really, and right, I call it the concept. You've got to have like, you know, when you're fishing for gold, you put all the shit in, you shake it just to find a little nugget. Just do that with your content as well. Like, um, because at the end of the day, it's exhausting to be just barely popular with everyone. Look at Joe Wicks, right? Made way more money than me, way more successful than me. Got a fucking MBE or whatever but I just don't feel like anyone would see him in a pub and go, fucking hell, I'd love to have a beer with him, right? And I think that even to this day, I'd rather have that effect where, you know, I say, hey guys, can you come listen to me for an hour talk about a subject that I haven't even told you what it's going to be about and they all come. Whereas for him, he has to do a workout to a thousand people on the beach. So, you know, it's, it's very different and it, you could have had that PG kind of following where you're trying to appease everyone, but I just find it exhausting because even... Even if I was to go to a family barbecue, I don't give a shit if half your family don't like me. I'll just sit in the corner with the other ones that you know are drunk and being inappropriate. You know, so I think so many people have social media wrong in that way where 
you know, even someone like Joe Rogan, right? One of the most successful podcasts in the world. He doesn't give a fuck what people think. He's just being himself. And that's why he's been able to do it for so long. Yeah, I think so. I think even some of the things you've said have kind of struck a chord with, with me where it is very, it's, it's an actual reflection of reality when you're saying what someone's doing where someone else may say, people are always, people are eating, they, they, let's say they binge at the weekend, they're going over their calories and stuff. You're like, no, nah, mate, you're going out, getting smashed in pints, getting the bags in with the lads. And then you're, then you're getting, you have like garlic mayo all over your face at the end of the night. And like, that's actually your weekend. That's what a lot of people are hearing that. They're like, yeah, even though they want to admit it, they're like, yeah, to be fair, that actually is what's throwing me off. It's not just a bit of binging. There's a lot that goes, there's a lot that goes with that. When, when you're accurately reflecting reality, I think people have a bit more of a response to yeah, that. And also like, um, when you're, super uh, approachable in that sense. I remember having uh, young people I trained that were like, oh, I'm going to festival at the weekend. I was like, you're doing drugs? They're like, yeah, gonna get a bit of MD. I was like, pills or uh, MD? They're like, oh, we're gonna get some pills. I'm like, what pills? Oh, we're gonna get uh, blue punishers. I was like, listen, it's 250 milligrams, be careful. Like, and they're like, what's going on? I'm there in a PT session. I'm like, you're gonna start your squats in a minute? Look at me, I'm like, look at me, half, half. And I was like, you need to wait two hours before you do another half. And like. I'd say this, that my client would come in on Monday and she'd be like, thank fuck, you said do half. I was like, why? She was like, oh, we did half, didn't feel anything for an hour. I remember what you said to me in the session. An hour and a quarter later, we came up and I was like, I could have saved a life. You know, like, so just having that approach, being like, you know, because I had a fucking blue punisher and I was flying. So, you know, like, it's one of those things where I think that we have to be like full board advice with people. We need to like be, or, or be yourself and, you know, explain to people, just everything, because life is such a multifaceted thing. No one really is professional behind closed doors. The reason that we have the majority of like this woke bullshit going on is because people's chats that they have, and this is it. So sometimes I'll say something that some people are like, oh, you can't say that. But I'm like, everyone's saying it at the dinner table anyway. They're just not saying it online. So like, um, it's a weird like echo chamber that exists of what's proper to say in public. Like, and yeah, it's just exhausting. Do you find that very liberating in general? that you're just very open about things. Yeah, until my mum called me a druggie uh, the other day. She was like, oh, you druggie. I was like, mum, I was only talking about ketamine and mushrooms. I was like, they've both been amazing for me, apart from the time I came holding an elevator, but still like- um, It happens. And, and the elevator broke down. Uh, I wasn't oh, sure mate, I was that is, that's minging now. Yeah, so uh, you can get ketamine and nasal spray in America. They treat use it to treat depression. Interesting. So I didn't believe it, a girl that I met, and I hit it significantly. Damn. That, this is an interesting thing. Yeah, obviously they're, they're illegal back home, but if you were in many places in the States or more on the cutting edge of things, you're using LSD to, to, to treat people with depression, using psilocybin to treat people with Wait, depression. They, um, where I went to get an ice bath, I looked at a menu, they had ketamine therapy. So you get jabbed with ketamine and do a therapy session. I, made, I put my name down. They called me back once I was already back in the UK. I was like, this, this is the future. If they had that now, I'd be doing it today. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, on that, on that final thing, Nassim Taleb says that you were, on, t on turning things down, let's say, or just being very open, Nassim Taleb says you were wealthy when money you refuse takes better than money you accept. Mm. Always like that, that little quip. So it's, a, it's an interesting, I suppose, w w way of putting it. Yeah, like, uh, so I've had some insane offers. I had a bank offer me £80,000. And it wasn't a bank that I used, it was just one grid post. Um, and that... That one didn't feel good, if I'm honest. 80 grand, I could have, you know, after tax, put down a significant chunk on a car, had it in finance, just, you know, could have got that Audi RS6 that I wanted. Oof. I thought, but that kept me awake a few nights, I'm not gonna lie to you. And then, right, so some people called me a sellout with the drink. I worked out the other day, 
per my initial investment, each can I've drunk has cost me a thousand pounds. So I was like, so then when someone called me a sellout, I was like, you little bastard. I was like, I quite literally could have bought another home, could have had an investment property and I put it in a drink. Now, there, there have been so many. So, so that point I completely agree with, but there is the offers that come through and you go, oh, that'd be nice. That would be nice. Uh, I've had any crypto projects trying and, try and get you to, to shill a pump and dump. My videographer's trying to get me into XRP. <laughs> He's the same type of guy that turns 5G off on his phone, so I'm not buying into it. They guaranteed 10X. Now, like, to be honest, um, the, the paid post things, like, I, I quite like not doing it, but then I could be wrong. This could be a gamble in itself. I think brand longevity is more important than uh, brand turnover in the onset because, again, people seem to think their audience are really stupid. And what they don't see is every time you try and sell to them something that isn't beneficial both ways, you know, when you're promoting fucking personal tablets, they, they see what you're doing. And they realize that the brand that you've created is more about them monetizing in any means possible than it is about having that kind of relationship where you're like subservient to them. So although it is good to turn down money, um, it, it can be liberating. But sometimes it hurts, especially like when, let's say Black Friday this year was fucking dire and it was dire because everybody's company is on their ass. Everyone's struggling, right? Myself included, our businesses, our turnover, our signups, all of this is down. Interest rates have gone up for one reason, to reduce spending. So now people are like, oh, fucking quick Black Friday, buy my product. And like, then there are times where you see your dividend come through and you're like, fuck, I should have done the personal advert. But still, it's one of those things where, you know, in life that, yeah, as long as you can, uh, yeah, you can do it. The, the only person that gets away with it is Paula Lima. He's very, very funny. I love being sold to by him. I love seeing him promote bullshit because he makes the experience good for me. Even though I've been sold to, I've had a laugh in the process, which is what most creators don't do. Interesting. I mean, turning there onto, I remember you saying on an interview I'd heard of you, of you before that you're very big on how your soul feels. Right, like that, that line, and you had one, one line that always stuck me, which was life is basically about protecting a bubble that you have around you. I mean, with you not having to do that stuff, like you were... It's like that feeling of feeling slimy that like you, you don't, you want to avoid that. But with that, like you were, do you kind of just go off of your gut feel? Like if something feels right, like you're not necessarily looking at the, you know, to pass the point, you're not necessarily looking at the monetary value of things. I really like Chris Williamson, right? Even though he interrupted our chat, right? <laughs> with his big forearm. The next yeah. time you look at him doing ad read, just look carefully in his eyes. That's what I say. Anytime someone's doing an ad read, just look deep into their soul. And you can see whether or not they really like the product. Some of the stuff he uses, he does, right? But then you see some creators when they're doing that. Look, even Rogan, right? Hey, guys, have you heard of Athletic Greens? And you're like, mate, come on. If you're really into it, you wouldn't be saying it like this. I can see you've G'd yourself up before getting the mic. I can see that Jamie said, come on, Joe, more effort, more effort. Hey, guys, I feel healthy for two years because I take Athletic Greens. And like, that, that must shave away at, how your soul feels at the end of the day. You must feel dirty. Like, like you've sold your body, right? It, it can't feel good. You know, I just, I, I can't, I could never get on board with that. And even though you see the money in the bank account, I just think it would feel like a, a feel a bit cheap. I get you. I get you. I suppose we're, we're stuck for time. So I've kind of one final question there, a bit of a classic. I mean, not necessarily ask people to get to, to, to get to where you are. Let's say, you know, advice to get to where you are, but you're, I suppose for having longevity or just building a brand in the right way as you've done, like sur surrounding yourself at least, what would be three principles that you would give people or three bits of advice you give someone where to not, to, to do something in a sustainable way to build their brand, uh, 
I suppose, for the, for the long term and, and how you've done it? First one would be uh, process orientation or outcome orientation. Never wanted a million followers, never wanted fancy cars, never wanted even to live in Australia. I just wanted tomorrow to do a little bit better than today. And that works even now that I can't even look at videos I made six months ago. I used to, have a, I used to repost a lot of content, but now I hate how mild content looks because I've marginally been improving my content to the level now that I hate old stuff. So like, if you can continue getting better and become more obsessed about becoming better than being better, that's one. Um, two, would just to appreciate that you can never appease everyone, right? You can never.